0: Welcome to TMX Presents the Podcast. My name is Dunny Lipkin and I lead the global innovation sector at TSX and TSX Venture Exchange. Thank you for joining us on our latest episode. On today's podcast, myself and my colleague Delilah Panio, Vice President of Capital Formation located in Orange County, California, sit down with Julia Streets and discuss why TSXV has become such a great platform for international innovation companies to list on. As TSX has expanded its global footprint over the past few years, with people located across the US, Israel, Brazil, and London, England, we are talking with more companies on how TSX Venture is the right choice for helping earlier stage companies grow. I hope you enjoyed today's episode.
1: Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to the podcast series Streets Talks 2. In every episode, I interview leaders from some of the most influential firms, bodies, and initiatives in the financial services industry. On each episode, we explore what's at the very forefront of innovation and change. And we think about the challenges facing our clients and our businesses and the industry at large. And we uncover the opportunities that exist both today and as we look ahead, particularly as we all navigate these interesting times. We hope you enjoy the series which you can find on all good podcast channels and all the episodes are listed on our website streetsconsulting.com and you can find these episodes on social media using the hashtag StreetsTalks2. Thank you for listening and welcome to StreetsTalks2 TMX Group. TMX Group builds markets to enable businesses and investors to succeed and to help communities to thrive. Their mission is to power capital and commodity markets with client-centric, technology-driven global solutions with a vision to be an indispensable solution for companies around the world to raise capital and to become the preferred destination for traders and investors to prosper. And when we talk about TMX Group, it includes companies such as the Toronto Stock Exchange, and TSX Venture Exchange, and a multitude of other businesses all around the capital markets world. Now, allow me to introduce my two guests today. I'm delighted to be joined by Danny Lipkin and Delilah Panio. Danny Lipkin carries the role of Managing Director of Global Innovation Sector for Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchange. And in this capacity, he is responsible for working with private companies and their shareholders as they explore and consider the option of raising equity capital in canada and prior to this role danny was the head of business development for exchange traded funds or etfs and investment funds on tsx and he also worked with a listings group for tsx where he helped assist companies in going public so danny it's great to have you on the show thank you for being with us
0: thanks julia it's uh great to be here and really appreciate the opportunity to uh... Indulge your listeners in the Canadian ways. The very polite Canadian ways, we'll be very polite throughout. The
1: <laughs> I love that. I tell you what, it's a very, very timely discussion and I'm very curious to, to think about what we can learn from the Canadian markets as well, but you don't feel really you have to be polite on my account, put it that way. Um, joining us today is Delilah Panio. She's the Vice President of US Capital Formation for the Toronto Stock Exchange and the TSX Venture Exchange. She's based in Southern California, and in this role, Delida advises US companies on the opportunity to list and raise capital on Canada's premier equity markets. Previously, Delida spent 10 years at TSX and TSX Venture Exchange in business development and strategy. And she has advised many companies on the going public process and provides an understanding of public and private financing options in both Canada and the US. I should also mention that she's the founder of Fortuna Funding, which provides practical and intentional guidance on accessing aligned capital, particularly for female founders. And I know she does a lot in the industry about helping female entrepreneurs access capital, and particularly in a world where access is not always equal. Delilah, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. And while I am Canadian, I've been living in the U.S. for 10 years, so I may be a little bit less polite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so I'm looking forward to a really stimulating discussion, because as I said just a second ago, it just feels really very much of its time uh, because we're thinking really about the discussions, particularly here in the UK, but we have listeners all over the world about access to capital for startups and scale-up companies. And this is certainly intensified of late. When we're thinking about the FinTech landscape, uh, where there have been some rumors and some evidence, uh, some would argue, of a downturn in investment. And also on a global scale, because it is challenging to secure growth capital, particularly in tougher economic times as well. Um, Just for the benefit of our UK listeners, in March this year, the Treasury announced a review into UK listings to enhance London's status as Europe's leading listings destination. And this is all about trying to jumpstart this market uh, after a global decline in IPOs. Part of this could be about streamlining the regulatory regime to attract more startups and foreign issuers to London particularly thinking about early stage businesses and one of the reasons why I'm very excited about this episode because I think there's a lot that we can all learn from the way in which the Canadian model works and also as I've been preparing for this there's a lot that I hadn't understood and appreciated particularly the Canadian markets and their role globally well let's get straight into it Danny you know you global head of innovation you're really thinking about this on, a, on an international scale. Talk to us about um, what you see going on in listings and IPOs and, and what should we be thinking about?
0: Thank you, Julian. Again, uh, great to be here. What a lot of people throughout the world kind of know is you know, the main senior markets throughout the world. New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, Toronto Stock Exchange, London Stock Exchange. But what we actually have in Canada is a very unique system where we have a a two tiered marketplace. So the Toronto Stock Exchange for later stage, you know, multi billion multinational companies, and then also the TSX Venture Exchange, which is meant for earlier stage growth companies. And this is an exchange through different iterations and we're not going to have to go through the whole hundred year history of the capital markets in Canada today. We could do another 15 minute podcast on that one day, but it's evolved over the last hundred years to really form the backbone of supporting these early stage types of companies. And, you know, Canada is, you know, very much involved in the natural resource economy. And you know that is the backbone of a lot of GDP in Canada overall. And so, for the last 100 years, it's been very good at supporting earlier stage junior mining, exploration, oil and gas type companies to help them go public at an earlier stage. What we've seen evolve over the last decade or so is that it's actually powering now the innovation economy. So think of earlier stage technology, clean tech, life sciences companies, ones that are really going to make fundamental changes in making our whole world better, hopefully, and more efficient. And TSX Venture now has really become this preeminent exchange for helping both Canadian and international companies access capital, go public at an earlier stage, and we'll get into how the regulatory regime kind of works in Canada, that it makes it kind of affordable overall relative to some other places in the world and really give them that necessary capital to fuel their next round of growth. And hopefully soon after that, you know, access more capital because at the end of the day, the public, pool of capital is the largest source of capital in the world.
1: And it's interesting the dynamics that are beginning to flow through that in terms of a regulatory regime and then also the, the cost of accessing capital as well. And, and Delina, I'd love to bring you in here because as I mentioned in the, in the introduction, you know, you're specifically working with U.S. companies. Um, and I'm curious about that because I would imagine that U.S. companies would naturally gravitate towards U.S. exchanges. Just talk to us about some of the, um, the dynamics around that and, and particularly keen to
2: explore the pathways
1: and
2: the options. This is such an excellent uh, question, Julie. Because of course, the, the the question is why in the world would a U.S. company be looking outside of the largest capital market in the world to access capital? And there's a couple of key points on that. The first one really is that you know every entrepreneur and CEO today needs to know all of their options. You alluded to earlier. We're we're in very interesting, challenging finance times, both in the public and private markets globally. So it really is important for all CEOs to know all of their capital raising options, uh, of which for US companies and UK companies, TSX and TSX Venture are definitely a viable option for the right company. And the second thing, and this is, be curious to know more about this from the UK, but in the US, the early stage US capital markets are just not serving a specific segment of growth companies. So when I'm talking to US CEOs, these are companies that are are looking for an alternative to some of the current options, either in the public markets in in the US, or they're looking for an alternative to private venture capital, which of course has an incredibly important role in the the finance world, but there are CEOs and founders who are looking for an alternative, who are looking to maintain greater control of their company and are looking to access a different kind of capital. So uniquely, TSX Venture especially, provides a unique value proposition for US companies and I would suspect for UK companies as well, in terms of looking for permanent capital, looking for growth capital, looking for acquisition currency, probably the number one reason that an early stage company would think about going public is to access that important acquisition currency to make acquisitions using using their public stock. And this concept of flattening the cap table, right? So looking for a way to bring in diversified investors, bringing the public investors to their marketplace and having a flat cap table of common shareholders can be a really beneficial strategy for the right kind of high growth company.
1: And dubbi, and can I sort of ask you to expand on that a little bit because I'm really curious about uh, sort of understanding, as Delilah was saying, the, the reasons for it and and the the importance of every entrepreneur to know the different types of capital and also the compelling reasons why. What I suppose my next question for that would be, you know, why has Canada been so successful in achieving this? Can you just expand on that a bit more?
0: Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll start with the question around capital. And we speak to entrepreneurs, both in Canada and globally, whether they're private or public, and no matter what, the number one issue that they always speak about is access to capital and being able to fund their businesses overall. And sure, we, we had a, a very good two or three years, uh, both public and private markets for being able to access capital. Um, but, you know, we know that we go through waves and cycles where it's going to be easy at times, but most of the time it's actually going to be a little bit challenging, no matter how good a company you are. You can be the best company in the world and you still want to raise capital at, you know, the best terms for yourselves as entrepreneurs, founders, and investors overall. So with that in mind, you know, we have developed, as I mentioned before, a TSX Venture Exchange, which is, you know, been set up through the years, uh, through a merger of some of the regional exchanges that existed in Vancouver, Montreal, and Canada. And it's a very pragmatic exchange from a regulatory perspective, because generally speaking, it can be pretty costly to run a public company because of accounting standards, because of reporting obligations, You know, you need to disclose Folsom on a quarterly, semi annual, and annual basis, different types of documents overall. What TSXV has been set up to do, and this is in conjunction with our regulators in Canada, and that's a very key component, is it's termed as a junior venture exchange, meaning that there are less onerous requirements on those companies being public in Canada relative, for example, to companies that would be listed on TSX or our senior exchange. So that means you have longer periods to file your uh, disclosure documents, both quarterly and annually. There are certain types of documents which you may or may not have to actually file. And it's really set up to understand that these companies don't have necessarily the capacity of being able to adhere to those higher standards overall. So. We see that that actually helps reduce the burden and cost of being public, but still avails itself to having those same types of investors who want to invest in public market companies be able to participate in investing in these earlier stage companies overall. And so I think it also might just help to give a bit of context. I keep talking about the differences between TSX, TSXV. I'm going to throw out 55,000 numbers here in the next 20 minutes. So I hope you remember them all. But let's just start with a couple really key facts and figures. So TSX, to give this context of how big they are relative to TSXV, the average market value of a company on TSX is 2.1 billion. And the average financing size would be about $50 million. On TSX Venture, the average market cap is closer to about $50 million. And the average financing size is about $4 to $5 million. So that kind of gives you the narrative around what types of companies would be on TSX versus TSX Venture. And, And the most important thing about why TSX Venture also works so well is that we are looking to help and grow all those TSX Venture companies to graduate and list on TSX. And this has been a hugely successful program over the course of the last 20 years, where we've seen over 750 companies actually graduate from TSX Venture to TSX. The other vitally important stat is that if you look at our S&P TSX Composite, which is approximately the largest 240 companies in Canada, 20% of those companies actually started life as a TSX Venture company. So we're very good at supporting those small, medium-sized businesses, helping them grow and becoming some of Canada's largest companies overall, talking into the multi-billion dollars overall. And, And that's the investor appetite of supporting those types of companies to fund them when they need a few million dollars and we understand we call it public venture capital we don't say every company is going to succeed companies will fail we we are very transparent about this but this gives them a great chance of succeeding overall and really being able to become those big companies while not fearing that hey i'm going to be you know, spending all my life being a public company from a reporting issuer status. That is not how the companies will feel overall.
1: And it's really helpful to hear you talk about the, the sort of structure. that. And Delilah, I know you're, you're super keen to come in here, so, so take it away.
2: Well, I just wanted to add on that, specifically for international companies, for whether they're the UK or the US, you're looking at, as Dunny had described, this really unique you know, incubator, uh, public venture capital exchange with a pathway to graduate to a senior uh, Toronto Stock Exchange, and then the opportunity to do a list onto a senior U.S. exchange. Look, we know that, you know, U.S. companies, probably U.K. companies don't grow up thinking, I want to I list on TSX. What they want to do is ultimately get to the largest capital market in the world, which is, you know, in the U.S., a, U- a U.S. exchange. And so we are unabashedly, you know, an extraordinary um, growth strategy to get to that milestone. So for U.S. companies, this pathway of starting on TSX Venture Exchange, when you're raising your Series B capital, doing a couple of rounds of financing on TSX Venture, graduating to Toronto Stock Exchange, and when you're big enough and relevant enough, do a listing onto a U.S. Senior Exchange. And we have the unique value proposition of something called the multi-jurisdiction disclosure system where once you're trading on TSxv or TSX for a year you can there's a very streamlined path to do a list onto a senior U.S exchange and so that path has been well worn by Canadian companies by um, by U.S companies by international companies and it's a true opportunity for international companies to look at how do we ultimately get to a U.S. Senior exchange and the Canadian markets are definitely a pathway for the right kind of company and should definitely be considered.
1: Well, it's interesting because I was I was thinking while you were both talking about you, know, you started with that, that remark. There's a line all talking about sort of very much about incubation. It's about the journey journey of, of of growth and scale. And then I was I was curious about the kind of the the, the the dual listing opportunity that exists out there as well. But I want to come back to another remark you made earlier about uh, you you called it flattening the cap table and about diversifying your investor base, if you like, as as an entrepreneur and as a business as well. I'd love to get your your thoughts, and perhaps not, I could stay with you uh, on that, is, you know, this institutional versus retail point of view. And um, I'm curious about, you know, what is the appetite for retail investment, particularly in these early stage companies as they go off on the journey you've just described?
2: Well, the practical reality for early stage uh, public companies is that they need a robust retail investor base because these are small investments at, you know, low share prices, you're not buying a lot. Um, and so a lot of institutional investors, you know, have rules and um and parameters around how the minimum they can invest. And so that sometimes precludes them from some of these early stage um companies because of the size of the investment. So, Why it works so well in Canada is we still have a very robust retail investor base. And there is a very um, significant segment of our investor marketplace that is interested in what we call you know, high growth momentum. You know, emerging sectors. So, whether those, whatever the the hot sectors of the sectors of the time are, whether that was, you know, we had the cannabis boom, or um, if it's cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. You know, we launched the first Bitcoin ETF uh, in the world on TSX. So we have we do have an investor base that's just really interested in whatever is the most um, latest, interesting, high growth, momentum kind of sectors. Because this gives retail investors an opportunity to kind of act like many venture capitalists, you know, to get in on those deals early and, and to um, realize the growth and the appreciation for the ones that make it. And so in the U.S., this has been you know, something that has has deteriorated over time, the retail investor base and the sort of death of the small cap IPO um, in that, you know, so these investors in Canada have the opportunity to take advantage of that. And a really interesting note is that over 40% of our trading on TSX and TSX Venture actually comes from outside of Canada. So yes, while you are um, accessing the, this incredible investor base in Canada that might be interested in your early stage company, we also are home to many, many investors internationally that are also looking to the Canadian markets for those emerging sectors in all, in all markets.
1: And, and while you're talking there, I'm just kind of having this interesting sort of uh, narrative arc, if you like, like a true presenter. They're always about the narrative arc of, of the journey of, of TSX going from natural resources as, as, as a history, as you say, we don't have time for the history lesson of the exchange, but very much in natural resources and now to the world of ESG. And of course, you know, some of those, the, the kind of green. Uh, the green tech, the climate tech, the innovation around climate change, of course, which is which is really fascinating, thinking about those early stage businesses that are just going to come to the fore uh, right now. And it seems like a, a, a natural home, if you like. But but I can't help but be slightly cynical about it, because I just think, you know, we mentioned earlier that, um, uh, you know, not every organisation, every business succeeds. So therefore, the risk to the retail investor of getting involved but also it's not necessarily right for every organization and um donnie can you just just paint a picture of kind of what is the ideal organization we're talking about helping entrepreneurs to understand their capital raising pathways um who does this make sense for just just explore that a little bit more if you would
0: who this is for is a company that really requires growth type of capital if it's a nice business that's maybe been family run, and the only reason that they're looking to go public is a pure liquidity event, and there's not a lot of growth in it, you know, investors tend to ask, why would I invest in a company that everybody's looking to exit? And that sure, maybe it's nice, but why, why am I taking somebody else's company who doesn't want it anymore? We speak to entrepreneurs who are at that earlier type stage and have a bit of traction overall, so maybe a few million dollars in revenue, but need that next level of capital. So whether it be, you know, five, 10, $15 million that will take them to that next stage of growth overall and know that, Hey, it's not going to just be this next round of capital, but they're going to want to raise subsequently more money over the coming years overall. And that there's real potential overall of this company becoming a unicorn. You know, that's what we want to see is these are going to become some of the biggest companies, hopefully not just in Canada, but in the world, so that's the type of entrepreneurial mindset that we, you know, look to see and talk to with companies when we're discussing the potential of them going public overall. And the other, you know, item that you know we talk to companies a lot about is you don't necessarily have to have public company market experience. And something that's very unique to how these companies actually go public is our CPC capital pool company program, which essentially is a listed vehicle with a lot of people that have public company experience. And then they take that private company public through the capital pool company and help them navigate the public markets overall. Because that's a lot of times where an entrepreneurial will feel a little bit uncomfortable of going public because they don't feel like they have the necessary background to run that public company. And so our capital pool company tries to match these types of experts in the public markets with great entrepreneurs and founders, help them come together and run a great public company overall.
1: And it's helpful to hear you talk about that because actually, this this whole ambition to become a unicorn, uh, but also the almost like the democratization of finance that goes around that as well. Delighted, did you want to come in and, and add any any remarks to that? I'd love to get your thoughts.
2: Yeah, what we um what we talk about to you know sort of help entrepreneurs determine, you know, is this the right path for them. And so especially when I'm talking to the US CEOs again, getting them interested in the Canadian public markets, getting them to think about another option. Um I run them through what I call the 4 Rs, which is just sort of easy to retain information as we're all over overwhelmed with all the information these days. So the first one is reason. So does this does your company have a reason to be public on any market? And so what that means is you know, would it would the company benefit from being a public company, Some of those things I mentioned, which is access to permanent capital. You know, acquisition currency, diversifying shareholder base, and also being having the credibility of being recognized of being on, on an international stock exchange. So someone has looked at your company, someone has vetted your company. And sometimes that can be a significant benefit, including to your customers if you're doing you're working with bigger B2B customers. So, sh- so should your company even go public? And then should it go public in Canada? Is there, is there a reason for the Canadian markets that that's a fit? The second R is readiness. So, is my company ready to go public and be public? Listen, as we know, being a public company is not for the faint of heart, especially in, in these in these markets. So, is my company ready? Is the is the is the management team the right management team? Does our CFO have public company experience? Do we have the right board of directors? That to be a public board versus a private advisory board you know, are we ready for the transparency? This is probably one of the the most challenging things about being a public company is now everybody knows your financial situation, your status. So are you ready for that? Now, we can also argue that that creates a significant discipline within a company that is often very beneficial. It it, It requires internal controls being developed and a discipline that actually can help a company stay on track better than some of the Private companies we've seen that get to be quite large, and then we realize, wow, they could have really benefited from some from some internal control discipline there. So, is the company ready to to, to be public? Is the CEO ready to spend at least thirty percent of his or her time talking to investors? So, who's running the company while you know you're 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 you have to do the investor relations and and run the public company part? So, is the company ready? The third R is requirements. So does the company meet the exchange's listing requirements? And again, what's unique about the Canadian um, markets for TSX and TSX Venture is our our financial, um, our listing requirements are based on the financial fundamentals of the company. So we're looking at, you know, revenue, um, net tangible assets, working capital Um, And especially for TSX Ventures, so be I know shocking for many to know that you can list as a pre-revenue company. So we have been listing very early stage exploration companies, whether that's exploration of mining or technology or biotech. You know, we have a listing regime and a process and requirements that are tailored to very early stage micro cap companies, including pre-revenue. So if you're a pre-revenue company, then we're going to be looking at working cap. So, you know, which will often come on the raise when you, when on the going public transactions, when the company lists on our market, whether it's as an IPO or through a reverse takeover or through our capital pool company program, do they have the enough capital, working capital to keep the lights on for, you know, for a, a period of time to give the company a real shot of growing and also the investors an opportunity to, you know, to realize their growth. And then the last R, which ultimately is the most important one, because you can have every reason to be public. You can be ready to be public, you can meet our listing requirements, but what is the reality? So that first fourth R is reality, which is can this deal get done in today's market? And that of course shifts with time and 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 markets. And so 2021, I was talking to having a different conversation with companies than I'm having in 2023. So it's really, you know, what is what can investment bankers, you know, sell to their investors? What can other capital providers, you know, um, share the investment opportunity with their investor uh, base? And so that shifts by the markets. And so we're in, a again, a very different market than we were last year, and we'll be in a different market next year. And so part of my job is, you know, being sort of ahead of that curve of thinking about, okay, what kind of companies can get financed in the next six to 12 months? Because that's how long it typically will take for a company to list.
1: Oh, I'm really curious. I mean, what sort of patterns, what sort of trends, what sort of opportunities do you see emerging?
0: Yeah, kind of as Delilah had mentioned, you know, we see different trends um, throughout the years. You know, one sector may be hot uh, now, but then it's not in favor as much anymore. We saw a lot of maybe earlier stage type tech companies be able to access the public markets at good valuations a few years ago. But now I think what we're Seen from what investors want is more stable cash flow, really having um, positive EBITDA overall. Maybe the burn rates have to be a bit lower than they used to be a couple of years ago. And there is a lot of interest in critical minerals, uh, uh, EV batteries, everything that's fueling, you know, the electric vehicle ecosystem overall, charging stations. That's a really big interest because there hasn't been a ton of capital deployed yet. Uh, in Canada, North America, and globally to really support the entire infrastructure around the electric vehicle system overall. And one thing I also wanted to go back with uh, a comment that Delilah had made is this whole getting ready for the markets overall. Uh, you don't just overnight decide, hey, I'm going to go public. You know, it does take a bit of time and journey. And it's good to be ready because you never know when market windows are actually going to open overall. Uh, I was sitting in this same spot in March 2020, thinking I was going to be out of a job, that companies weren't really going to be going public much as the world was uh, not doing so well. Um, and there we went on one of the biggest bull runs in public markets history. We saw one of the biggest record listing years ever. And companies that weren't ready to go public because they hadn't been thinking about it before really missed that opportunity and window. Now it will come again. But that was a missed opportunity for companies to go out and raise money on the public markets at very great valuations overall. So we always talk about being prepared because you don't know when you might actually need or want to go public overall. But as Delilah mentioned before, acting like a public company now is really great for discipline and control. And it doesn't hurt you as a private company to act and be like a public company because Those are looked upon as some of the greatest companies in the world because they know exactly what's going on both for the past little while and leading in lagging indicators of how they're going to do over the next few months and years because they're telling the street how they think they'll be doing overall. So it is great discipline for companies. And we tell all companies, even if you're never going to go public, act like a public company. It is in your best interest overall.
1: And of course, one of the biggest conversations that people are having right now is about governance, the rigor of governance. And of course, that fits firmly into that. You know, the wonderful thing about podcasts is that we get a chance to really explore things in so many different directions. Uh, But unfortunately, the clock is never our friend (laughs) on these episodes. But I just wonder if you had any sort of final thoughts, really, as as we close out and we look at the pathway ahead. You know, what are you thinking about? What are you uh, what are you excited about? What should our listeners be thinking about? Um, Zelida, can I come to you first?
2: Yes. Thank you, Julia. So I would say, you know, for high growth companies, again, looking at all their options uh, of which the Canadian markets are definitely one. Um, so what I'm thinking about and spending my time on here in the US in terms of the kind of companies that I'm focusing on and sort of, you know, betting on when the markets really open up again, you know, companies that have a really good public company story to tell, right? So retail investors, institutional investors who want to access those, those great growth stories, and so, some of the trends that we're seeing here in the U.S. that I'm following very closely, obviously, the significant investment into renewable energies and clean tech companies. Um, as we know, what's happening with the with the federal government here in the U.S. pouring billions of dollars into that sector. So, you know, again, investors are looking for those companies that are are, are getting that funding and and are going to be the the companies that 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 go beyond that funding into the public market. So, I'm definitely spending a lot of time, And certainly being here in Southern California. The epicenter of innovation in, in clean energy, um, and also in the areas of ag tech, food security, as we all know that that's uh, that's a growing um, um, uh, concern for all of us globally. And so so those are some of the sectors that I'm looking at uh, within the US. And just again, I really, really enjoy educating entrepreneurs on all of their options. And, and, and when they are surprised to hear about the significance of the Canadian capital markets, we punch well above our weight for a very small um, low populated country of the amount of money that flows through our, our markets and that we have a stable market, a stable government. And as investors, it's a really important home also to think about for some of their investment decisions.
1: Delilah, inspiring words for sure. And Danny, why don't you come in with your compelling last message for the audience?
0: Yeah, I, I hope that everybody thought that we were polite on the podcast. And I just <laughs> want to remind people that we will always open the doors for people no matter where we are. Uh, the, you know The other last thing, kind of item I want to have people remember is Delilah mentioned, we punch above our weight in Canada in terms of equity capital markets uh, around the world. There was $207 billion raised the last five years in Canada. 68 billion of that was in the innovation economy. And we're really seeing that there is a huge appetite to invest more dollars into the innovation economy in Canada and globally. And people will always invest in really good companies, no matter if It's a bad or good market overall. And entrepreneurs just need to understand the different options as Delilah mentioned of how they could raise that next round of capital. This is a lot different market than it was two years ago, but there's still funding available. There's still money uh, flowing into the ecosystem overall. And, And we like to remind people, be positive overall. You know, I know it can be tough now versus where we used to be, but there are still great stories of great companies being built every single day, being funded and and making really like long lasting generational impacts. And and we like people to focus on that. There are layoffs happening in the world and and that's very tough from a personal perspective, but there are also a lot of people being hired into new roles and new positions. And let's highlight the good uh, versus the bad sometimes and talk about the great stories, you know, the revolutionary technologies being developed by some of our Uh, agricultural technology companies to make food more sustainable, easier to grow year round and in places where you didn't think you could grow it. So let's highlight the good sometimes, not necessarily the bad, and let's celebrate success in a tough market.
1: It's very interesting listening to you both talk about pathways of capital and of course came out in the discussion earlier this road to dual listing, particularly think about the US markets. And I'm really curious, is it just for the US markets or or do you see a future where you could be dual listing on TSX and also other markets such as the London Stock Exchange or any other market?
0: Absolutely. We see that we have about 300 dual listed issuers, many listed on LSE or AIM. Uh, who utilize TSX or TSX Venture as a pathway to access North American capital overall. So it works very well for companies listed on other exchanges throughout the world to see Canada as that gateway to North American capital, to US investors, and and to being able to trade on the same time zone as New York overall, and really just avail yourself to more investors being able to look and invest in your company overall.
1: You know, that was one of the reasons why I was really keen to do this episode. I opened the episode talking about some of the, the negative sentiments that's going around uh, investment is actually having sort of worked with many people around the world. There are so many positive stories coming through and that's why I was so keen to have you both on the show because as you say, you're, not only your realism, your advice, your counsel, your practical advice, particularly for entrepreneurs understanding their capital pathways. The involvement of the retail and the institutional and investment world, the opportunity to dual list, and the pathways to growth uh, to become the next unicorn, as you described it, in some of these extraordinary emerging opportunities that, that are that are presenting themselves. It's been phenomenal to have you both on the show.
2: Uh, Delighted,
1: Panyu. Thank you so much for being with us.
2: Thank you, Julia.
1: And I've loved the inter- interplay between the two of you uh, with very different perspectives uh, around, obviously, a, a, a common common interest in innovation. So, uh, Danny Lipkin, thank you for being with us.
0: Thanks Joe. it's great to be on.
1: And to all our listeners, thank you for listening. Of course, you can find Streets Talks 2 at streetsconsulting.com forward slash Streets Talks 2 on social media using the hashtag Streets 2. And you've been listening to Streets Talks 2 TMX Group, and we've been talking about the TSX and the TSX Venture Exchange. And most importantly, this is how you can find them. TSX, Thank you, as always, for listening. And until next time, goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to TMX Presents the Podcast. For more insights from capital market leaders, please visit tmx.com POV.